This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Mark Steffen is a contract worker, a cook at a convention center in Seattle. What kinds of stuff do you cook? Everything. Anything from hot dogs to filet mignon. Working at a convention center, Mark often feeds crowds of thousands of people. And after a coronavirus hit, he started to worry. We're in a huge building with thousands of people. You know, that's putting myself in a position where, where it would be easily contractable. Thousands of people, and they're all... I imagine, very close together. Very close together, yeah. Mark was worried about his health. He wasn't worried about his job. But then a colleague texted him a picture. We've got a huge board of uh, banquet event orders that are posted. It's a probably a 20-foot-long board. Tells us what the event is and what the food is we are to prepare. Someone sent me a picture of that with everything marked off, canceled. The convention center postponed Comic-Con. Meetings of radiologists and OBGYNs were canceled. SakuraCon, an anime convention, was off. And then came the call from Mark's boss. What did he, what did he say? Basically, people are pulling out, and uh, we don't have food to cook, so we, we don't need you there. The first American layoffs from the coronavirus pandemic have arrived. This week, Marriott announced it would be furloughing tens of thousands of workers. In Las Vegas, more than 30,000 casino workers have been laid off. And states have seen a surge in people filing for unemployment. Today on the show, layoffs. Where they're happening, how deep they might go, and what it means for the future of the economy. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, March 18th. Our colleague Eric Morath has been covering labor and economics for the last three years. And until a few weeks ago, the job data he tracks had been pretty steady. We've had job growth for 100 straight months. In some ways, the reports have become a little bit mundane. They're almost predictable, the same numbers every month after month. And suddenly, uh, that's all been changed quite rapidly. Eric's been tracking layoffs in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. And why is it so important to watch for layoffs in particular? Well, because the labor market has been the underlying strength of the U.S. economy for the past decade. You know, we've had ups and downs from the European debt crisis to issues in China to manufacturing slowdown here to most recently the trade squabbles with partners around the world. Underneath that, the U.S. employers have been adding jobs every single month. The unemployment rate has fallen to a 50-year low. And that's what's propelled consumer spending. And ultimately, that's what propels the U.S. economy. But just like jobs have powered the economy, Eric worries layoffs could slam the brakes. 
if employers are so worried that this isn't just a short-term blip, but is a longer-term change, and therefore they reduce their number of employees, what does that mean? Those workers suddenly do not have money to spend. And if they don't have money to spend, they can't go out and buy goods and services, and that has a trickle-down effect. That means maybe more people need to be laid off. It can't be overstated enough that consumer spending is the lifeblood of the U.S. economy. But at least historically, companies' first move during a crisis was to do the very thing that hurt consumer spending. They'd lay people off. Through the 80s, 90s, and into the 2000s, Eric says the business school playbook was, if you're a company facing an economic shock, cut costs. And that meant cut labor. After 9-11, the airline industry played it by the book and cut about 80,000 workers within days of the attack. But now, during the coronavirus outbreak, when Eric looks at the nation's biggest companies, that's not the reaction he's seeing, at least not yet. The response so far, by and large, has been, you know, hey, we're sticking with our workers. You know, we saw Disney, they announced that they're closing their their theme parks. But they said in that very announcement, hey, we're paying our workers. We're going to take care of our staff here. Another example, Microsoft, some 4,000 of their support staff, people that actually don't work directly for Microsoft, but work through contractors and do things like operate the cafeteria, provide cleaning services, drive employee shuttle buses. They said, we're going to keep all of you on as well and continue to pay your wages. They didn't just stop there. They actually called out other businesses and said, if you are in a position like us where you've done well the last decade and you have the cash, you shouldn't let people go. And why do you think we're not seeing those reflexive layoffs yet? And, and I'll stress the yet in that sentence. Well, I mean, I think it's important to think about the moment we were in entering the pandemic. We were in an extremely tight labor market. In fact, for the last two years, businesses have been repeatedly telling me they couldn't find enough workers. Jobs were going unfilled. There were more job openings. There were basically more help wanted ads out there than there were unemployed Americans. So we were in an extremely tight labor market. and there's a lot of reluctance to let go of people if you think this is going to be temporary because uh, you won't be able to rebound as quickly if there's a surge in demand. But I also imagine that companies like Microsoft saying that they're not going to reflexively lay off all these contract workers and they're going to keep them employed, that that's something that makes them look good too. They said that. They said as much. They want their direct employees as well as prospective employees in the future to view them as, you know, an employer of choice, right? And we've seen Microsoft and other companies have done things, whether it's trying to push green initiatives or show that they're they're family friendly or they're a good place for, for women to work. These types of things are things that some companies feel they need to do to make sure they attract the best and brightest talent. And, you know, face it, 4,000 workers probably earning $15 an hour or so, that's not going to kill Microsoft. The thing is, not every business is in Microsoft's position. Airlines and hotel chains have been hit particularly hard. And for those companies continuing to pay people all the way down to the contract workers who staff the cafeteria, that's probably not an option. But even airlines and hotels have been reluctant to lay workers off outright. Instead, they're talking about furloughs of workers, which means they're basically asking people to take unpaid vacation. You know, that could put a worker, it certainly hurts their ability to go out and spend money, but it could give them confidence that they can tap their savings because they feel like they're going to have a job 
when this is over. And also, in many cases, especially with these larger employers, it means they still continue to have access to healthcare and those types of things. So a furlough is worse than we're paying you in full, but it is better than you're laid off, you're cut loose. By not laying off workers, businesses are taking a gamble. They're gambling that they'll be able to make it through the next month or several months, and that by not cutting workers, they'll be ready when demand bounces back. But as the pandemic stretches on, that gamble could start to feel more risky. Companies may have to decide whether coronavirus is a storm to be weathered or an existential threat to their business. We are at this critical decision-making point. If employers stick with their workers, you create this chance for a fast rebound. But you also run the risk that you judge it wrong and your company is revenue suffers for a longer period of time than you expect it. And, you know, it's probably not some of the companies that we talked about, these giants of industry right now, like Microsoft and Apple. I feel those companies are going to be fine. Amazon's going to be fine. Every auto supplier out there, I'm not confident that they're going to be fine. And for some small businesses, that existential threat is already here. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Welcome back. The sector that's been hardest hit in this pandemic is the service sector. And that represents a lot of workers. Anyway, you draw it up, it's a massive portion of the economy. Let's just take the sector of you know, restaurants and hospitality. One in 10 workers work in that sector, which is you know, restaurants, hotels, convention centers, things like that. That's one in 10 U.S. workers. So that's massive. But the service sector isn't just huge. Eric says it powered our last economic expansion. A whole lot of that job growth he was talking about earlier, it happened here, in leisure, in restaurants, and hospitality. It happened because of people like Magda Sayeg. Yeah, my name is Magda Sayeg, and the name of my restaurant is Magdalene in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I live, like, right around the corner from your restaurant. Oh my gosh, that makes this so much Magda opened her restaurant about a month ago. It's so new that even I hadn't had a chance to eat there yet. The cheeky one-liner is that it's a Lebanese oyster bar, but it really is. To open her restaurant, Magda hired 20 people and borrowed money. And when it opened, it looked like her investment was paying off. The place was filling up. She was hitting her targets. Coronavirus wasn't even on her radar. Until about two weeks ago, 
When the traffic into Magdalene's started to slow down. It was a very sad moment. It wasn't just me staring at that front door. It was my whole staff that we all were staring at that front door going like, what is going on? I really did feel like financially I'd gotten through all the initial, you know, scary parts of opening a business. And I was just now ready to like, you know, see this restaurant thrive. And when I saw that the numbers were not good on the weekend, which any restaurant owner will tell you, you need good numbers on the weekend. That's what sustains your business. And I saw those numbers not really matching what I needed for payroll and what I needed for expenses, what I needed for rent. I had to make X amount every week in order to pay all the things. And I had enough to get me through the normal humps and bumps in the road. You know, not coronavirus. So Magda started laying off staff. I had an amazing staff. I still have an amazing staff. But half of them I had to let go because I could not afford to staff the way the normal restaurant does. What did you tell them? I mean, honestly, I just said, you know, I'd rather be able to pay you now than have your checks bounce. That's what I was worried about. So I was just upfront with them and said, I know that I can't afford to hire you for the next week. Up to this point, the idea was to stay open, but with fewer staff. But Magda would soon learn that that wasn't an option either. Tuesday morning, New York City officials announced a new policy. Restaurants would have to close to the public. Only delivery and takeout would be allowed which left Magda with a lot of questions. What does that mean? Does that mean that I have to tell my chef to get on a train that takes him two hours and three trains to get to my restaurant because I'm allowed to do to-go food? What about his health? I'm not sure if my distributors are going to give me all the food I need. Do I? Is it okay that I do a limited menu? There's a lot of holes in this new plan. Everyone is worried about how we're going to survive. Layoffs in the service sector are so worrying because these workers are among the most vulnerable in every way. They work with people, so their health is at risk. And they're not often viewed as high-skilled workers, so they're more likely to be laid off. And many are low-wage workers, so they might not have savings built up. And the fact that these workers are being impacted first in the crisis, Eric says, that's new. The people that are getting hit first are these frontline, you know, hospitality, restaurant, possibly retail workers. And they, in the past, weren't the ones that were affected first. If you think of recent recessions, we saw a tech bubble bursting. We saw the housing bubble. Um, You know, so we're talking about, you know, construction workers in that case. And that's a little bit higher paying job. And then it filtered through the financial sector, which those are obviously high paying jobs. In this case, we're probably starting out with cutting these uh, most vulnerable workers first. Does the fact that lower-wage workers are getting hit first mean that we have to respond to the crisis in a different way than, say, the financial crisis? It certainly could be. So, you know, the kind of classic playbook is, you know, we cut interest rates and we try to incentivize businesses to keep investing and keep hiring people. Well, that might not really be the playbook this time when it's the lower wage, lower skilled workers uh, that are affected. Like, you know, refinancing a mortgage doesn't mean anything if you don't have a mortgage. And things like doing tax cuts, especially payroll tax cuts, doesn't help anybody that doesn't have a job. There's been some efforts to strengthen the unemployment system. But one of the basic things of unemployment benefits is usually you have to be actively looking for a job. 
that makes a lot of sense in most cases. But now, what if you can't actively look for a job because you're sick or you're caring for someone that's sick? Who wants to come see you for an interview? So that's a little bit of a, a different impediment than we've had in the past. And so maybe we need a different type of playbook than we've had in the past. Mark Steffen, the cook we heard from earlier at the Washington State Convention Center, he recently called to apply for unemployment. The lines are busy. Like, there's not even a wait time. It's rough. Complicating Mark's situation is that he wasn't exactly laid off. He's a contract worker. He's assigned shifts at the convention center. And right now, he's just not getting any shifts. But no shifts means no paycheck and no health insurance. We have to work 65 hours in the month to qualify for health insurance. So that means I'm most definitely going to lose my health insurance. Oh, wow. For you and your family? For Yeah, yeah. My insurance covers my family. What does not getting a paycheck mean for you and, and other people that you work with, your colleagues that are in the same situation? Well, I've been through some rough times in my life without money growing up or whatever. <laughs> I know how to handle situations like this, but I don't know how I'm going to handle not being able to pay the mortgage. That's something you just can't get away from. You can't just say, hey, <laughs> I can't work, so I'm sorry you can't get your mortgage payment. At what point are you going to be in a position where you think you won't be able to pay the mortgage? Um, well, I'm basically paycheck to paycheck. So this... This next check that should be coming next Wednesday isn't coming. That's the, that's the check I pay my mortgage with. What do you want people to know about what you're going through right now? Just be patient with each other, I guess. Um, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, uh, but if you're someone who has the ability to be patient with someone being late on their bills or maybe they owe you money. (laughs) Patience is going to help people get through it. In a survey of more than 800 Americans last week, 18% said they or someone in their household had been laid off or were facing reduced hours because of the pandemic. And for low-income households, that picture was even worse. It was 25%. Economists expect those numbers to climb. for today, Wednesday, March 18th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Ruth Simon for her reporting. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.